are listening to Perlustration, a podcast where we dive deep into cinematic universes. This episode, we are discussing the first seven episodes from season one of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Spoiler warning for these episodes and the first seven MCU films. We will try not to spoil any future movies or any future plot points. Lucas, what are your overall feelings about these episodes? I dig it. I I wanted you to watch these seven episodes in the hopes that it would hook you like it hooked me. And we can watch the whole series together. But even if it didn't, the first seven episodes are such a doozy, such a great introduction into this world that... I, I, they they deserve their own podcast. Totally agree. It is, I wouldn't say on par with the films, but just a notch below. Like the special effects are solid. Oh, yeah. And the performances are fantastic. The only difference is really is that it, you know, needs to kind of be a baddie of the week type of story for the most part. Now that I see longer arcs being drawn, but for the general purpose of each episode. For sure, for sure. You gotta resolve each story in, in a roughly forty five minute arc. Right. Yeah, I get that. I and I kinda of, that's probably a big part of why I like it so much is that I, I just like T V in general a little bit better than movies for that reason, that you get a story in a shorter amount of time, but they are always planting these seeds and laying the groundwork and and working on these longer arcs that are half a season, full season, two season long that, that eventually resolve themselves. And, and maybe they don't, but that leaves you open to next season. You can always come back to this plot point that you uh, glossed over in the past. And that's exactly what I don't like about television, oh, which that's... shows how <laughs> you and I are different. You know, I... It drives me crazy that TV shows will just set up things just to keep people watching. And a lot of the times I find in television shows, those things don't really pay off. The writing either has to really twist to make something work or they act like they knew all along, but it's really more of a deus ex machina situation. Mm -hmm. That would be my main frustration with television shows. But I think with... Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., where it's, you know, tied into the MCU in a way, keeps it on pace. And overall, I mean, I just think that has good writing. I, I think you're you're definitely right that, that it, this show being grounded or being tied to in some way with the overall MCU definitely uh, helps it, you know. And I'm not a writer, but I think that having, sometimes having these, like, touch points that you can refer to help kind of move things along like you know having the the references to iron man 3 that we'll talk about but um having things like that that you can just it's a starting off point that it doesn't iron man 3 doesn't really affect these first seven episodes of shield but there are enough ties to it that you it helps draw you into the universe and and cement your place in this world Absolutely. And it helps like round out the world, yes, seeing it from the yes. perspective of people on the ground for the most part, as opposed to, you know, gods or superhumans. Yeah. I had a couple questions Hit me. here in general conversation before we get going. So does Truth Serum exist or not? That's the question they that Shield wants you asking. 
<laughs> well, I am asking it. <laughs> I think I not. I think it. they were playing Sky from the beginning, but S.H.I.E.L.D. would never tell you if they actually had some, right? Yeah, it's classified. It's classified. That's level eight. <laughs> uh, and then how much of S.H.I.E.L.D. in this group comes from the comics? How much do we see them? Uh, uh, no, almost none, or basically none. Um, let me think even... If there is even one besides Fury and Hill, yeah, none. Uh, all of the all of the characters on the show are MCU or show inventions. Um, Coulson was invented for all his cameos leading up to the the Avengers, uh, Hill in the Avengers, and all of the other supporting cast in this show are I very loosely say supporting. They're they're main characters, but you know what I mean. Um, Fitz Simmons May. Sky and Ward are all uh, show inventions. Okay, and what about like Scorch and some of the villains and superpowered people that they run into? Yeah, all all um, show slash MCU inventions. Now, since the since the great uh, Disney merger, um, a lot of comics have been created based off of cinematic universe IP kind of thing. Um, right, so. Coulson exists in the comics now, etc. Et, et but um, yeah, at, at the start, these are all show specific. That's really cool. My one other thing here that I want to get to is a little bit of follow up, a theme that you've reiterated to me throughout the MCU of like creating your own enemies. Mm-hmm. And we see that very early on in, in this show with the doctor who gets sucked into the gravitonium yes I dr hall gravitonium yeah that you is know, I actually only assume he'll return it that, go ahead that's actually a comic book uh callback um that that is a bad guy that exists in the comics oh well, there um, you go the, the origin story is a little bit twisted uh, but yeah um gravitonium is a comic book thing uh and, and yeah no spoilers but yeah you're right that the, the doctor does return at some point I mean, they hinted at it pretty for sure intensely. I, I would be very surprised if he didn't, or that would be like the type of TV that would frustrate me. Right, right. Yeah, you don't see it till six seasons later or something, or never. Right. I can't tell you when, but I, he does come back. Okay, I lied. I have one more thing here: the red mask guys. Oh, the uh, the flash mob people. Well, that's what I was gonna say. They reminded me of a flash mob, and I was just gonna ask you: remember flash mobs? <laughs> yes, flash mobs were awesome, especially like you know, uh, every day I'm shuffling or, or something like that. It's not unusual. And I can't believe that flash mobs and TikTok never came at the same time. They seem like they're just they should go hand in hand together. What a shame. Yeah, yeah. The world has changed. You're so right. I think. Uh, it, it's possible that uh, flash mobs and YouTube came up at the perfect time. You know, maybe maybe the handheld phone technology just wasn't there. That's probably why. It's not that the app didn't exist because you know you could share these videos on YouTube the same way you can on TikTok, but it's the capture device wasn't quite as ubiquitous. Right. I just think that TikTok has more of that general dancing video vibe. True. True. You remember Vine? <laughs> R.I.P. Vine. I. I was, you know, NBA Vine was fantastic. Yep. Uh, well, we'll get back to talking about 2010 apps here in just a second. But first, let's hear a word from our sponsors. 
This episode is brought to you by Mammoth Cooler. Mammoth Cooler makes professional grade coolers, drinkware, and more. They are ready for anything from a day at the beach to an extended camping trip and everything in between. Their soft cooler line includes the Trooper 30 Cooler Backpack. It has a roll top closure and air valve technology, allowing you to add or remove air to maximize performance. The inner liner is antimicrobial, which means it resists mold and mildew and all those nasty things you don't want. Maybe if those firefighters had stored the Chitari helmet in a Trooper 30, they wouldn't have ended up getting sick and exploding. It also has ultra comfortable backpack straps, making it easy to bring anywhere. All Mammoth coolers are backed by a lifetime warranty and shipped to the 48 continental United States. Visit mammothcooler.com, that's M-A-M-M-O-T-H-C-O-O-L-E-R.com to order. Use the promo code BEGONIAFM, all one word, at checkout to get 10% off your order. Make sure to use that code to let Mammoth know you came from us. We want to thank Mammoth for sponsoring this episode and all of Begonia FM! Welcome back. First stone, Agent Coulson. The man, the myth, the legend. He's back! Yep. You called it. He's alive. I, I, I did kind of call it. You, yeah, right. you knew he wasn't dead, or he wasn't really dead. Um, the extent to which he died is a bit in question but ultimately they revived him and he's our glorious leader now that he is we uh we get the answer to what a level seven was you know it <laughs> it's not a level eight that's nope. what i learned that's correct uh, are the avengers going to be upset when they find out that colson's alive or are they going to be happy that he's alive i think they'd be relieved tough for you to say because you know so I guess I should be asking myself that. And if I were them, I would be relieved. Okay. Because he he did die. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And they brought him back. If he had not died and they had just lied to their face and he had, you know, like no scar or anything to prove it, then I think or brain you'd be damage. walking on. Right. I think you'd be in a stickier situation. Right. Yeah. Tony would definitely be upset. Thor probably wouldn't care. Cap, mm, he'd understand military stuff. Black Widow and Hawkeye, again, probably would understand for S.H.I.E.L.D. But yeah, Tony would definitely be upset if he like if he was straight up lied to. Which S.H.I.E.L.D. does a whole lot of, so I don't think Tony's at a lack of things to get upset with them about. Agreed. And he has a really sweet heart-to-heart with the firefighter there in episode six yeah. you know who had exposed himself to the chitari helmet and he talks to him about going to the other side mm-hmm. and i thought that was just really you know emotional and he was obviously like you know he has this hard exterior shell that he's always portraying he put that to the side for that moment and we got to see like the real colson yep you know we got to see phil uh his first name is agent <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Uh, so, And I think that throughout this series, I would expect him to continue towards that path of being more like Phil and less Agent Coulson. Because we even see in that seventh episode, he makes a decision to help the group extract Fitz and Ward. He doesn't make the initial call, but he doesn't tell them not to. And then when it comes time to leave, he's on board. Yep. 
takes it into his own hands. Right. You know, he's kind of starting to doubt this system that he's been a part of for, you know, a really long time. Who knows how long, really? I mean, could be basically his whole life. We do know that he has a lot of history with various characters that come in and out of the show. You know, he's got a history with May. He's got a history with the, uh, what's her name, Peruvian commandant lady. Right. So he's been he's been in the field. He's been in the system for a long, long time. Pretty similar to Ward, actually, um, that, you know, they recruited him when he was early or when he was early, when he was young. Yeah, S.H.I.E.L.D. definitely has some questionable aspects. And we'll get to those here in just a little bit. Yep. Uh, the one other thing I wanted to touch on with Coulson is that there's something going on with his recovery from the death. Yep. I don't know if it's mental, physical, a mixture of that, or if S.H.I.E.L.D. themselves did something to him mentally or physically. Yep. But the way that the word like Tahiti it's triggers... Place. Exactly. Yes, it triggers that line for him, and he catches himself there, I think, in episode six or episode seven. Yep. Almost not wanting to say the phrase because he's even realizing something's off. You know, he's getting a physical done, and he's clearly unsure of exactly what happened to bring him back, maybe? Is that, am I searching in the right place there? Yes, you're feeling around in the dark in the correct direction. Okay. And I don't want you to have to say too much. I don't, yeah, if you're worried about spoiling anything, but I definitely picked up on yeah, that. Yeah. It's like a longer arc that they're, they're planting those seeds. And he's getting physicals on himself. He's, you know, he does, he knows something's not right, but all of the science that uh, Fitz and Simmons, or really Simmons can s- show says everything's fine, you know, but he knows something's not right. And he, he starts digging and finds out that he doesn't have access to, files on himself which is a bit concerning i I, always i would think right um does it say uh what level clearance is required for his files i don't recall okay then and we'll leave it there but in any case it is similar to what tony went through in our previous film of where He's at the bar and he has that panic attack mm-hmm. and he sprints out to the suit and he gets in the suit and he's like, what is it? My heart, my brain. And Jarvis is like, no, you're totally fine. You're just having a panic attack. And it seems that Coulson is, while, you know, he had a different experience that day is on a similar path of he's not the person he was before New York. He is different. Clearly. Yeah. And he's trying to find out exactly what is different and what happened. 100%. That's right. Yeah. D- Phil is different than he was before. And I think uh, other people will start to notice. Th- the more people we meet from his past will say he's different. Hey, he's feeling good. He is. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Our uh, second stone is S.H.I.E.L.D. Yes. The namesake of the show. They have a super powered people list apparently yes they call so they are aware of people with superpowers yes they've been tracking them for a long time they call it the index or the gifted index uh to keep track of and chart exactly how powerful gifted people are across the world right and allegedly they're keeping people safe you know with with their protocols but 
what we're seeing is like what is the cost of accomplishing that goal you know like with the secrecy the different levels not letting these gifted people use their powers you know that might be able to help people you know if they were put in a situation where their powers could be productive you know if you can generate fire with your hands maybe send them with people on Everest or something of that nature, you know, somewhere where you would really like to have fire all the time, have them do that. Or he wanted to be a magician, let him kind of use that as a part of his act. You know, I don't think that, you know, necessarily hiding them is the best way to go about it because you get the situation that we run into is that the list eventually gets out or people that you don't want controlling these superpowered people are the only people willing to like steal them or kidnap them and it just presents more problems than i think clarity does but that's just my opinion yeah i think that there are two sides to the argument or more than two sides but um your side is totally valid that that suppressing these people or not putting them to good use uh, so to speak, you know, um, putting the fire guy on Everest or, you know, helping people in cold climates. Um, there is definitely a gap there, but then the real reality, or <laughs> I hesitate to use the term reality as we're talking about comic book movies, but uh, the reality is we don't know the extent of any given person's powers or people haven't, that haven't been discovered yet. So the reason shield wants to keep track of all of them is to find the dangerous people Um, they obviously didn't think scorch was a danger to himself or to society so you know they just keep an eye on him uh if he was unstable couldn't control his powers you know maybe he lights on fire when he's asleep and burns down his apartment building you know that's somebody you would want to keep contained um how they're contained as another kind of tangent to this conversation but um basically they want to keep track of people that could be dangerous to other people whether accidental or intentional so one argument for shield keeping this index is if you believe shield to be inherently good um is that they do they're they're basically trying to protect the normal people and Unfortunately, sometimes that means suppressing the gifted people. And you're totally right that what if this list gets out and now the bad guys, uh, registered trademark, um, start hunting down these people and recruiting them? That That's a possibility. Um, and, well, don't we see that happen with uh, with uh, Reyna, right? Doesn't she go and try to recruit this Scorch guy? Not saying she has access to the gifted index, but she was able to find this gifted person without the index, right? Correct. So kind of Shield's uh, Shield's reasoning for keeping the index and keeping tabs on people is um, realized here where the quote-unquote bad people are recruiting these gifted individuals. Now, this guy who can generate fire from his hands is is surely someone to keep an eye on, but there's other also people like the Hulk on the gifted index, obviously a very dangerous creature to just let loose right yes i see your point it just seems that you know they aren't necessarily the best at handling all these situations (laughs) so maybe they shouldn't be in charge of all these situations like leaving good agents in the field to die and not having it having an extraction plan 
Not cool shield. Yeah. Well, I got one. I got one question for you here. Hit me. What do I need to know about the hub? The hub. Good question. The hub is shields. It's not exactly their headquarters. Um, it's their training facility, basically. That's the hub of their science and research and development. Okay. This is where all. This is where the like. Not all operations are planned from, but operations are planned from here. Science and um, R&D is done here. Uh, but just as with everything with S.H.I.E.L.D., um, everything is kind of spread out across various locations. Just redundancy, secrecy, all those, all those reasons that S.H.I.E.L.D. loves to do. Okay, understood. Our third stone, you talked about them just a little bit earlier here, are the normal humans. Yeah, that's what this show's really about. Yeah, and we're seeing how people have like reacted differently to the attack on New York. You know, some people are trying to create superhumans. Some people are living in fear. You know, groups like the Rising Tide are, you know, they have something directly to point at that Shield couldn't cover up. Yep. Cat's out of the bag. The secret's out. This is a new reality that everybody's living in, and. We're seeing, you know, on the lowest levels, how it's affecting people. Yeah, groups like the Rising Tide, I mean, they're, I think they're intended to parallel or mirror um, real world organizations or groups of people that um, the Rising Tide started as, or started, the Rising Tide is uh, an organization that is all about uh, truth and transparency. Um, I think, as you've alluded to, S.H.I.E.L.D., does a job, does a good job of uh, keeping things secret and maybe doesn't handle everything as well as they should and stories leak and the rising tide is all about exposing those and bringing to light all the things that not just S.H.I.E.L.D. but any government or any organization is trying to silence. And as, as we see, uh, those highly motivated, highly skilled individuals can be an asset to a team like we see in shield totally you know when they bring in sky specifically you know she wasn't trained by shield she has no experience working in that sort of system but quickly she becomes an asset to them by her you know ability to extract information about certain individuals or computer skills in general yeah that allegedly she had been cultivating to try and find her parents. I still don't know if I trust that story, but she has the skills and she's willing or she has the ability to play in the big leagues because of that skill. And there's not a lot that S.H.I.E.L.D. can do about it. That's true. We also see the effects that the uh, this new world with aliens and superhumans and etc. have had on uh, other... Let's say, I it's hard to call Mike Peterson a normal human at this point, but he starts off as a normal human. He's injured at, at work and has to deal with some less than ethical employers and ultimately turns to the company that says they can make him better. And they they do, right? They turn him into a super person. And that's the reality that people live in now, that that's possible. Why, why would someone not immediately turn to this miracle drug that can make you 
as strong as Captain America and leap tall buildings and everything. Yeah, it's a very inviting offer, mm-hmm. and it's an impossible task for any organization to recover all of the alien parts that came to Earth there in the attack of New York. So I assume it's going to be a consistent problem that S.H.I.E.L.D. is going to have to deal with. And you also are getting fully exposed superheroes at that time, too. So inspiration yep. to create their own versions of what they see because they know it's possible. Yep. Even well-intentioned you know, the the ones that want to be heroes but go about it the wrong way or something like that, um, in addition to the people who just want to find some artifact or some alien tech that's going to make them powerful and rich or something. No, you're totally right. We mentioned a little bit earlier that they picked up Sky in the first episode and then they took to the skies <laughs> on the bus, which is our fourth stone. The bus. This has been a little bit of a theme this episode, but I'm going to ask you, is this a show creation or is the bus in the comics? Like everything from uh, the post-Disney MCU, it's has made its way into the comics, but has been invented from the show with a quote-unquote comic backstory that that they have been used for, for many years. Um, as far as I know, the sh- this is the first time we see the bus or a bus or a an aircraft of this caliber all right i got another question for you what kind of coffee maker do you figure they have on the bus it's got to be like a breville or something like it's a it's a drip pot but it's like one of the fancy drip pots i think you're right you know because this is this is still you know an office right. it's still work yeah nobody's doing individual pour overs or anything like that there's no espresso machine. They ain't got the. They, they can't afford the space and, and and energy usage for that. And I don't think you want a pressurized line of hot water like that on an airplane either. True. There's enough. There's enough uh, pressurized lines of flammable and dangerous liquids running throughout the plane. No sense in adding to that. No, I think you're right. right. Fancy drip. But it is a. It's a really cool mobile like mini command center you can take anywhere you know it's like something you would see like in the arrow show you have where they work out of you know basically like the arrow cave or whatever but that means that they're limited to the city that they're in and with the bus it's it's the whole world yeah they can go anywhere as long as they can have uh, refueling stations along the way i love the scene where we get the Samuel L. Jackson cameo and furious, <laughs> furious at Coulson for damaging the bus in like less than a weekend. Yeah, blowing a hole in with a hydro weapon. Yeah, and then like Ward is just like leaning casually against that inflatable raft. Yeah, questionable. You just you just gotta ignore that part. It's yeah, one hundred percent would have been sucked out at the same time, taking the raft with him and taking everybody else with him. Yeah. Yeah. You got to forgive the show for some things. Sometimes you just have to. Speaking of the plane and its amazing uh, technical capabilities, got to say, not real. I I don't know if that was clear to anybody else, but it is definitely based on a real aircraft, based on a C-18 Hercules in the real Air Force. Uh, But it has some advanced technologies like the maneuverable jet engines, additional jet engines, the C-18 doesn't have the uh, tail-mounted engines. 
Um, but the engines that are able to move and articulate like that give this plane the pretty rare ability to do a vertical takeoff and landing, or VTOL as it's called, um, which is used to great effect um, many times throughout the show. It just looks cool, too. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah. So cool. Like a Harrier. Yep. It just looks cool. Oh, yeah. Seeing a plane hover in like that, guns blazing, or even like just open the cargo hatch and your people run on. Never fails to look cool. Yep. So do you know the plane's uh, military designation? I do not. So they've, they've said it. I want to say they've said it once in this so far in this show. Uh, they, they will say it in the future, but... It is called Shield 616. That's its, you know, code name or whatever. To, when they're talking on the radio to the plane or to the bus, they say Shield 616, uh, you know, stay on this bearing and be escorted into neutral airspace or whatever. That is a bit of a reference that I'm, I'm pretty sure you're unaware of, but the multiverse theory or the... Uh, you know, multiple universes within the Marvel universe, cinematic, comic, and even alternate universes. Um, are you familiar with these universes at all? I am not. Okay. So the this is a reference because the quote-unquote canon, the real universe that all the comic stories take place in is the Earth 616. You know, the Earth that we know in the comics with Spider-Man and Iron Man and everything is Earth 616, meaning basically the 616th Earth in the multiverse. And uh, there's a bit of debate over the MCU, but it's Earth 19999. Um, and some people are campaigning to merge the two universes, but that's that's a topic for another time. Uh, long, long story short, the Shield 616 name for the bus is just a reference to that a nice little easter egg <laughs> yes this bus is a great i mean it it, ha, it is huge i mean these globe masters um, or the c-17s are big big planes um, and they have all kinds of compartments there's obviously a garage where we see lola and the suv the science lab there's a lounge with the bar a very nice bar that fury is particularly mad of but there's also living quarters, and um, we know at least six people live on this uh, on this bus in these sleeping quarters that um, have conveniently been paired off into duos, which is our next stone. This is our fifth stone. The duos are pairs or couples. All of the above. I got a bunch of notes on the duos here. Hit me. Sky and Ward. Yep. I like their relationship. They were getting close until Sky got talking to her, got caught talking to her hacker boyfriend. Yeah. That did not go over well. It's unfortunate. Uh, you know, I still don't know if I trust Sky either. You know, she is a liar. But I like their relationship and their dynamic. For as different as they are, they seem to have a lot in common as well. They're loners. They've you know they've they've grown up solo. Right. I'm sure they they draw a lot on that. Yeah. Definitely. And kind of the opposite there of loners is Fitz and Simmons mm -hmm. to where they're basically inseparable to where people just use their two last names together as one name. Great. Oh, the, when that first came up and like, let's go talk to Fitzsimmons, you clearly think that it's one person and then they introduce themselves. 
he's Fitz, I'm she's Simmons. That's uh, great. And they have a really sweet relationship. You know, like Simmons makes Fitz the sandwich when he's going on his mission. With the aioli. Yeah. And when Simmons contracts the virus, mm-hmm. you know, Fitz breaks quarantine to help her. And they're very close, clearly, and have, like, been working together for a really long time. So they work really well together. 100% agree. And and I think I, I really don't want to undercut Fitz breaking quarantine because he wanted to help Simmons specifically. But there was a bit of a logical aspect to it, too, which is how he argued it to her letting him go in because if he didn't break quarantine and help her figure it out they're all dead anyways right you know that she'll she'll do her emp burst and take the plane down so fitz is incredibly smart as is simmons and they work together their gaps in knowledge fill like are filled by the other's uh expertise you know fitz doesn't know the biology as as much and Simmons really does know the biology and Simmons is not as skilled at the mechanical building things aspect and Fitz excels at that right Fitz is my favorite character I I don't want to give anything away because he he will continue to be my favorite character and anything that happens to him happens to me emotionally you're living in the MCU vicariously through Fitz (laughs) yeah (laughs) that's awesome uh, our next duo is Coulson and May. Yeah. Like you mentioned earlier, they clearly have a working history together. Yeah, and it's so mysterious. We get little glimpses throughout these episodes, but we really don't know what has happened to either of them. You know, they clearly have worked together in the past, but then we see May getting uh, recruited by Coulson at her desk job. You know, she has been out of the field for a while and reluctantly goes back in Mm -hmm. so you know we don't know how long exactly she's been in the field we don't know why we get some hints but or sorry been out of the field but um and then colson obviously died and went into recovery and is now back and recruiting this team uh so there's there's just a lot a lot of interesting dynamics between the two who's really in power who's really giving orders here because you know may does her does her job um you know she's only the pilot right she's not supposed to be doing combat missions but here we are right well i want to touch on that specifically because yeah you're you're totally right initially she wants nothing to do with the combat but like after a couple situations where like she could have really helped with her skills. She ends up asking Coulson for the position. And I don't think she's like specifically like could have helped like where she would have gotten them out of a situation specifically, but also like she is seeing that this team that Coulson has put together in particular is unlike teams that she's been on before where they are doing, you know, tangible good things in the world. They aren't, maybe doing the things that she had done in past missions with her combat skills. Does that make sense? A hundred percent. Yeah, that definitely makes sense. And I think that's largely to do with Coulson being the leader of this team. He's clearly much more transparent with why the why of any operation. Um, and I think May's experience and Ward's experience being a, a shield specialist too, is you have your orders, 
and you do them and there is no why that's the end of it you know you get your order you do it that's it um and i think may it's refreshing for may and that's the main reason she has decided to stick to this team is that colson gives her a bit of the why no i think that's a really good way of putting it i think you're right the other group that i added here at the very end was because of episode seven yep and it's fits and ward and they get paired together on an unlikely duo mission right yeah a very unlikely pair that are very different and they slowly gain respect for each other throughout the mission you know like ward specifically Mm -hmm. grows to like not treat fits like someone he has to look out for yeah and i i think fits has fits did a good job of sticking up for himself too where uh Ward said, you know, Coulson told me to protect you and they get into this argument and then at the end of the argument is like Fitz says, Coulson had a conversation with me too. He told me to protect you in in so many words. So they're they're definitely there for each other, but each thought that they were protecting the other, right? And they each had something to offer, you know? They they would have gotten stuck in that bar if not for Fitz and then both of them would have gotten stuck at the was it an oil refinery? I don't remember. Whatever the last building was that Ward went in, um, he basically tells Fitz to get out of here because we're not both making it out, but they do both make it out. Hey, teamwork makes the dream work. Yep. Together, everyone achieves more. Our last stone is Centipede. Ah, yes. The big bad. We don't know a lot about them, but That's true. they are... Making superhumans with alien technology. Is it alien technology? Uh, It's unclear if it's alien technology. But they did want the pictures of alien formulas, like when Ward goes on that mission with the glasses. I don't think that's 100% related to the centipede serum. Well, you would know. And and you're right. I'm speculating. I'm trying to think of what you would know at this point. So does the color of the centipede serum remind you of anything you've seen very recently? No, it does not. Okay. I'll elaborate a little bit that doesn't take anything away. It's derived from, if not directly related to, the extremis formula that we saw in Iron Man 3. Okay. And so this is why the explosion in the first episode that Mike Peterson saved someone from happens right that person went too hot went poof like an iron man 3 right and that's why they took the power from scorch of his skin being able to instantly heal they took that power from him yes they are improving on that right so this is why we had to wait until now to watch these episodes of shield is because we essentially had to wait for iron man 1 to happen or sorry iron man 3 to happen that and and I guess that that this whole segment is uh, another indicator that like the movies don't really affect the show, but they kind of affect the show. Like you would see if you watch this episode or these episodes without seeing Iron Man three, you'd be spoiled on Iron Man three. <laughs> Only light spoilers, no you know no major plot points, but you know the technology that that occurs. Or you'd be just more familiar with the idea of 
more people running around with superpowers and trying to create serums than you are after the first six or seven films. True. No, but I I really enjoyed the first seven episodes. I thought it was a a really fun world to jump into. Let's uh, take one more break here and then let's do the categories. This episode is brought to you by Mammoth Cooler. Mammoth Cooler makes professional-grade coolers, drinkware, and more. They are ready for anything from a day at the beach to an extended camping trip and everything in between. The Mammoth Ice Tusk is a stainless steel reusable beer chiller. It is the ultimate way to keep your long neck beer cold. Built with 18-8 kitchen grade stainless steel and insulated with high-tech thermal gel, it keeps your beer cold for up to two plus hours on a single freeze. Here's how you use it. Freeze the ice tusk for at least 45 minutes. Take a sip of beer to make room. Insert the tusk into the bottle and press firmly to create a tight seal. Then enjoy drinking that ice cold beer. All Mammoth products are backed by a lifetime warranty and shipped to the 48 continental United States. Visit mammothcooler.com, that's M-A-M-M-O-T-H-C-O-O-L-E-R.com to order and use the offer code BEGONIAFM, all one word, at checkout to get 10% off your order. Make sure you to use that code and let Mammoth know you came from us. We want to thank Mammoth for sponsoring this episode and all of Begonia FM. Okay, category time. All right. Lucas, pick a power. Oh, we get a little bit more variation in these in these seven episodes. We definitely do. Lots of choices. Yeah. What are you going with? Hmm. I'm going to go with the mysterious clairvoyant ability. Okay. I did have in my notes, like, who is clairvoyant? But I was like, that might be answered later on. I didn't want to put you in that situation. Well, you know, S.H.I.E.L.D. answers it. They answer it in the show. There, there's no one with precognitive abilities known on the index so either they haven't been discovered yet or they're a fake interesting well maybe we'll see where that goes for my power i'm picking the robot eye like minus the evil people controlling it yeah and the and the explosive explosive device yep take those parts out but everything else in i figure it'll be like google glass Mm -hmm. but better so would you have like people you know controlling it and not controlling well they they can't control you other than the explosive but like feeding you information and you know you can look at something with the robot eye and they can like google it and tell you what it is that kind of thing or would you just have computer eyes i assumed the eye would be doing like the googling itself like it would just i would be looking at something and if i thought i wonder what the price is it would just like show a dollar figure (laughs) Okay, okay. That would be that would be like very an cool. augmented reality. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Google Glass. All right, who's the hero? Hmm. I am thinking Who is your hero? It, yeah, who's who's my hero for this for these 7 episodes? It's got to be Coulson. I tend to go back to the beginning on these things like he puts the team together. He's resurrected from the dead. He's got a purpose. I I think he's uh he's the glue holding this whole thing together. Yeah, he's wearing the captain band. <laughs> yes. Uh, for my hero, I originally thought it's going to be May, but after the watching the first seven episodes in their totality, I have to go with Fitz. You're not wrong. I already said he's my favorite, and I, I felt like it'd be cheating he's if I said... He's doing a lot. He's, he's my hero, too. <laughs> 
you know you talk about stats like screen assist and things oh, that yeah. we've only the advanced stats. You know, recently been able to recognize yeah Fitz's advanced stats are out of control for sure creates the icer oh yeah he's making technology he's going out on missions he's saving ward he's saving simmons mm-hmm. he's all over the place now we didn't consider this when we started this season so i know you don't have an uh, unofficial ranking for these seven episodes relative to the other films so maybe give me it what is this your favorite where does this season rank for you compared to other seasons of shield Ooh, that's a good question so i'll be honest at this point i have not seen the latest seventh season of shield i've only seen up through the sixth that being said the first season ranks pretty high i think the this season ranks second of all seasons for me um mainly because the origin stories and really the the season that beats it out is just so next level like it can't not be first Okay, um, but this one this one does a lot for me because it lays all the groundwork for the emotional connections I have to the characters for the future seasons. So that's why it it's if not for the epic nature of the season that beats it out, uh, this would be number one. Very cool. I know I put you on the spot there, so very well done. Th- thank you. I I am rating this uh, 051 out of a 084. <laughs> Just roughly three out of five stars. Nice. <laughs> nice. Oh, wait, four. <laughs> Let's put uh, one minute on the clock. Lucas, what did we miss? We barely talked about the clairvoyant and Reyna, but um, I don't know. All I got to say is a- anything you might have missed probably will come up again in future episodes. Mysterious. Okay. Well, we'll leave it there. Yeah. I I got to I gotta keep it mysterious. This uh, If I did... Well, I did. If uh, if I revealed any research into the things you might have missed, it's like straight up spoilers. So I can't really say, you know, oh, remember that guy you saw in episode three? He's coming back in episode nine. Just be aware that basically anything or any character you see might come back again, unless you clearly see them die or like there's a very clear explanation to why they're gone. But like, Certain characters being in jail may not be in jail forever. Or, uh, you know, we, we talked about Gravitonium before. At the very end of that episode, you see the Gravitonium put into a cage, and then you see, is it a hand or a foot? A hand? Reach I think out. it's a hand. Yeah, you, you see that reach out. So that's, that's a clear indication that we're going to see Gravitonium again. You have a tough job of balancing that line of what you can talk about and what you don't want to talk about. So, yeah. I'm very happy to like get your impressions of. Uh, I'm very happy with your overall impression of the show too, and you've picked up on a lot of a lot of great things. And I think if you watch future episodes, you will be very happy, at least resolved, if not happy. Well, we will see if we do this again in the future for the podcast. But for now, I want to thank everybody for listening. If you have any questions or feedback send an email to hello at begonia.fm or reach out to us on Twitter and Instagram at FM. For our next episode, we will be watching Thor, The Dark World, directed by Alan Taylor. A big thanks to Mammoth Coolers for sponsoring this episode. Lucas, take us out. Oh, 
my goodness, I had such a good one earlier. I'll get it. Give me two seconds. Oh, <laughs> set, set me up again. Okay. <laughs> Lucas, take us out. It's a magical place. post credits on this one i know i guess that'll just be the end i don't even have a plan for what happens if the music just fades out i guess that's just how it ends